Imagine a football platform where the world's best writers give you the real story about what's going on at United. Imagine no pop-up ads, no clickbait headlines and no ridiculous rumours to be let down by anymore. You don't have to imagine anymore. Meet The Athletic. No ads, no nonsense, just football. Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand to start your 30-day free trial and get 50% off your annual subscription. The Athletic. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm delighted to be joined by James Scowcroft. James was a Premier League centre-forward, played for Ipswich Town, played for Leicester City, played for Leighton Orient, Coventry City. Have I missed anybody, James? You missed Crystal Palace out. Ah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, because we spoke about you uh, ringing people during the lockdown. Is that still going on? Are players still doing that? Or is everyone gearing up towards a return to football? No, I think everyone's gearing up to uh, returning now, Andy. I think it's nearly business as normal. Um, players going in and trading every day. So hopefully we can get it back soon. We speak on the day that a contract extension has been announced for Odion Igalo. He's going to stay at Manchester United until the end of January 2021. Uh, what do you make of that? Um, no, I think it's sensible. I think um, he, he came in to do a certain role within the team, within the squad, and he did it He did it well. Um, he influenced games. He, he made, even as a sub coming on, he, he made a difference. He scored some goals. And I think from that, you know, getting a player on loan um, who wasn't fully match fit, who had sort of been playing in a, in a total different environment, different continent, standard of football that, was, that wasn't that was as good as what he's coming into, you know, it's, he did well. I thought he um, he did his job that he was asked to do. What was his job? What was he asked to do? Apart from come in and replace or be available because Marcus Rashford was out until the end of the season. Well, I think ultimately that's his, his job was to be another body within the squad. But then you, you have to go to the next level. That don't just be a body. Can you come on? Can you score goals? Can you contribute to games? Can you be a a focal point down the middle and I think he, he ticked all those boxes he, he did score goals um, He, I thought he was very experienced I thought when he came on he managed the game very well even if it was for short spells for 20 minutes um, you know he'd back in he'd hold the ball up he'd bring others into the game um, and I think whatever role he was asked to do he did it uh, and I don't think you can ask any more than that so I'm, I'm not surprised United have uh, continued to uh, to move forward with that I'm told the players wanted him to stay. He absolutely wanted to stay. And I remember being in Leicester at your former club at the end of January when he signed and getting a message half past 11 at night, being in the car park underneath the Ibis Hotel, trying to put this information out there and then getting texts from Watford, his former club, saying you've got a really good player there and explaining why. And me putting this out onto Twitter because it was all instant and it was happening by the minute and the reaction was very mixed there were some United fans okay but there were a hell of a lot of people uh, who didn't welcome him as a signing saw him as a sign of desperation uh, looked down on the fact that he'd come from China as a lot of people did when Paulinho came from China but actually did well at Barcelona and surprised people and there was just there was almost a, a level of mockery in how the mighty have fallen with Manchester United and I think those people, they've got it wrong. Igolo didn't start a Premier League game for United, but he was in a really good run of form just before the lockdown. He'd scored four goals in two weeks. He was 
proving to be really important in cup matches. He settled into the, the team, as you were saying, and United was still in the FA Cup, still in the Europa League, still are. And it was also very difficult to get a striker. Chelsea didn't get a striker in January. Barcelona didn't initially get a striker in January, and they ended up with Martin Brathwaite. And he's hardly a stellar signing. It's difficult to get players in January. So all things considered, I think you're right. He's, Igolo has been a, a success. I'm not sure how much he's going to feature now because Marcus Rashford's on his way back, but he seems to be a different type of player to the other ones at the club. I think so. I think, you know, if you look at United's demographic of the squad, it's in certainly in certain areas, it's they're young. You know, uh, Anthony Martial's young, Mason Greenwood's young. Um, Marcus Rashford's young, so you need you need that experience. And, and I think the one thing that I saw that you know he did bring his experience, his game management, which ultimately is experience. You know, he's thirty years old. He's soon to be thirty-one years old. So I think there's a big trend at the moment to get young players, but I, I do see that clubs overlook the experienced players, just those you know, players in the late 20s, early 30s that have been around, know, know football, know the game, can handle different situations, can handle different roles in the squad, know how to conduct themselves. Um, and I think that's invaluable at times. And maybe Man United haven't got enough of that at the moment. His goal at Lask was the best of the five. It was a contender for the goal of the season where he shouted Bruno Fernandes, who was breaking forward. There seemed to be a nice little partnership going there between the two of them. Yeah, well, if you look how he played at Watford, that that was basically him. You know, he, he's strong, powerful. Probably had a little bit more pace than what he's got now, um, but thrives on that service. You know, get the ball into him, and you know, in the final third, he makes things happen. And, and his goal against last was was very, very good. Um, you know, his goals against Derby was it in the FA Cup as well. You, know, you just need that. You need you need players to contribute. You know, every player needs to contribute and. You know, in the short spell he was there, um, you know, certainly what he did. I, I don't know, what did he play? Five, six games, a little bit more? Um, yeah, but it, it will be a different scenario now because everybody's fit, so he'll probably have to go all the way to the back. But he'll have enough experience to deal with that. He's only played 300 minutes. He was just coming good towards the lockdown because he wasn't match fit at the start. He couldn't, no. couldn't go to Carrington because of coronavirus, which was a big deal in in China, but not Europe, for when he signed. And something that you said then interests me, losing your pace or slowing down a bit at 30. You've been there. At what age do you start losing your pace? I've got in my mind this optimum number for a player being at his peak at 27, that mixture of experience, still got the energy. What happens between 27 and 30? You've been a striker. Um. I think what happened, listen, you, your body, there's a couple of things. If you, if you work very hard and you're playing every week, then you'll be okay. You'll be okay until you probably get to 30, 31, and then you'll, you'll start to lose it. You'll lose it as soon as you, 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 don't, you don't play regular football. Um, so he hasn't played regular football, and he's been a, a, a level playing football in the country, which is, isn't anywhere near as good as the Premier League. So naturally his mobility and his pace would have degenerated over over time. Possibly he'll get some of that back, you know, with the sharpness of, of the Premier League and, and training at Manchester United every day. But then what happens is you then know how to manage yourself over 90 minutes. You then know your position play is, is better. Um, you don't go making 
silly endless runs that you just can be knackered after 20 minutes. Uh, and you, you, you're a lot more confident in your body as well. That, that's, I think when you're in your early 20s, you don't really know how physically strong you can be, how mentally tough you can be. But when you get to 30, I think you then worked it all out and you think, right, I know I can do this. And I'm not going to overthink like I did when I was 21. At what age were you, you at your peak? Um, some will say never, but I, I would say around about probably, probably two little spells. One at 28, but even at 30, I had a, 31, I had a good season um, and I felt physically strong. I think, I think there's two peaks. I think there's mentally a peak and there's physically a peak. Yeah. And probably physically a peak is 27, 28, 29 maybe. But mentally, is probably 30, 31. So you've been you know, around, you, you know more, and you know the politics of the game. and Yeah, and you know, you, you come up against players that, you, you know, you, you play against the same players time and time ago, and, and you think, right, at 22, you used to bully me. I ain't having that anymore. You know, I'm mentally stronger now, and I know how to use my body better. And I think that, that peak comes as well. Who was your nemesis? Um, what was it like to play against Man United, especially as a, as a United fan? Um, it was fine. I, I can remember one game I played where I was absolutely breathing out my backside. Reed Van Nistelrooy got a hat-trick in the first 30. The game was dead and buried. And United were just relentless. It just wouldn't ease off. Um, and I can remember coming, walking to my car after the game thinking, I'm absolutely done it. I can't move. And I remember that. I, Listen, Man United, when I played, were, were a very, very, very good side. Um, people say football's quicker now. I, I, I don't think it is. Um, but there's, 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 other, there's other good sides and good players around there that I didn't, didn't really have the reputations when I played against them that I thought I had. And then there's players in the lower leagues that well, Andy was hard as nails and they were just horrible to play against. Horrible. In what way? Physically? Or... Yeah, ju- just literally would run through a brick wall and, and the... for 90 minutes okay. words. Yeah, might not have the technique that a a Rio Ferdinand would have or something, but mentally were as hard as nails. And verbally, would they give you a stick? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a, a, a little bit. You, you just knew that they they saw you as a bit of a challenge, a bit of a you know, and just you could get away with a lot more. And who was marking you when you played against United? Because you're mentioning Van Nistelrooy, he was at the other end of the pitch um, to you. Yeah, he would have played that day. Uh, Gary Neville was right back. Rio was centre-half. Wes Brown. Um, who would have been left back? And just top defenders. But, I mean, you've played against them or you've you, you played against the best Manchester United. The, yeah, they were. The, the one memory I have, they were very driven. And I can remember Roy Keane being relentless, mm. driving his players on when I played against them. And, and they were, one game I lost 4-1. And the game was over at half-time and they just second half. And just remember Roy Keane being any little stray pass, he was on at his players. And I just don't think he gave anyone a second's rest. Was it weird being a United fan, seeing this? No, not really, no. No, not not at all. Because Uh, You've just got your professional game head on. Yeah, yeah. You're You're doing everything you can to win the match. Yeah, 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 exactly. You, you, you know, and I, and I wanted to win the match as well. You know, it, it would have been a big scalp. You know, what to score, what to win the game. But you're going to Old Trafford, and you're playing there. You've been paid to play there. Was part of your buzzing off it? Yeah, it'd be hard to say no. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. 
Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I think even players who, who weren't United fans would say that as well. Yeah. So there, 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 there is no anyone that tells you anyone different. There's no better place to go and play than Old Trafford. So you're not like robbing but, the coat hangers or anything like that, taking them home as a souvenir. Does that happen in football? It does happen in football. Yeah. Does yeah. it? Yeah. I've never robbed the coat hanger, but I, I don't know. <laughs> But no, I've, I've always got shirts because I always knew one day I'll look back at that and uh, I'll appreciate that. You got any Manchester United shirts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a couple, yeah. Just and after the game, when you played against Keane or whoever, is there any small talk? Do you go in a players' lounge together? No, not, not, Man not really. Not Man United never did that. No, Man United were a different. To, to be fair, I don't think back then maybe the smaller clubs would have done it. Man United just did it and. See you later. Yeah, it, it, it was it was an entourage. I played against I played against Barcelona once in a pre-season, and that was very similar. They, they had two coach loads of press. This is a pre-season friendly, mm. and, and Manchester United was the same. When Man United came to town, it was I, I can remember my first ever appearance for Manchester United. It was for Ipswich, and uh, the Ipswich Evening newspaper had the Man United team bus coming into Suffolk on the A14 as their headline picture. Which game, that's what it was. Which year was that? That was 2000, 2000. We drew 1-1, one, one actually. As a, um, at the start of the season? Yeah, it was a Tuesday night. Yeah. So I can remember, yeah, it was in August. I remember. Yeah, it was, yeah. We drove there, and I remember Eminem, that album had just been on. We were listening to that one. No, no, you, you, you're, you're talking about a different game. You, we've, we've talked about this in the past. Yeah. I can remember yeah, in ninety. When it's for United ninety four, Guy Larkin jumping in the river Orwell, is it? Yeah, two one. United won virtually won the league. It's a day out yeah. and Senna died. Yeah, I had a massive flag floating from the United end over the top tier, would that be right? Into the bottom tier, obscuring executive boxes. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. So United coming into town was big news. United have actually got a big supporters club in, in Suffolk and Yeah, you know, East Anglia got a very got a very but I've told you this before. Where, where I live, Leeds United are bigger than Man United, is which is always a yes, yeah, true. Yeah, that because of the as big as yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, there's a huge Leeds United fan base where I live. You're starting from scratch, like these lads are doing now. They've kept a level of fitness. I've spoken to lots of footballers in the last couple of months. They're all doing fitness stuff. The club have given them bikes. They're having the Zoom meetings, and every single one of them said it doesn't compete with the real thing. And a lad at Brighton said to me, it's your agility that goes. And now they're back in training again and they're going to be expected to play matches. Now, two weeks ago, I spoke to a lad at Schalke and he said, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we go. We've not even played a practice match. And I'm thinking, now, they've lost every single game. What's it like to go in from <coughs> where Manchester United are going to be now on June the 1st to playing at Tottenham away in, in two or three weeks? They're not going to be close to fitness, full fitness, or match fitness, or what is it? No, they, well, they won't do, but Tottenham won't be either, so it will be very, very similar. Um, listen, fo footballers are clones. They, they have a 12-month cycle where they just did for 15 years of their life, maybe longer, they're just clones. Um, but this, this is totally different, and footballers aren't that adaptable when they come out of that 12-month cycle. And that 12-month cycle will be a month off in sort of the end of June, July, a little bit when the tournaments and then pre-season, blah, 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 back onto it. Now, this is a total different ballgame. They're three months off here. Mm. 
and that's yeah, they've been keeping fit, and but but it's it's totally totally different, and they'll be playing football when you know the weather in England's been absolutely glorious, so it'll be a lot lot hotter. The first couple of games they'll be fine, but the 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 number of games is going to be relentless for them, and you'll see a lot of injuries. That's 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 exactly what's going to happen. Why why injuries? Um, because I just think all of a sudden there'll be the, the the physical demands on them will be quite high and their bodies won't be conditioned as as well as what they have been. Um, you know, some of them won't realise. Some of them will get it. Some of them won't. Some some of them won't realise that the the time they've had off. You know that the bodies would have changed a little bit and different muscles won't won't have the the physical endurance that they have when in a football season and they're playing week in week out. When you were last on this podcast at the start of the lockdown, you said some players would actually prefer, including yourself, playing behind closed doors because of less pressure. You've not got a crowd getting on your back. Do you still, do you still yeah. stand by that? And you think yeah, it do, will, yeah. will influence results? And, yeah. and if so, who will it benefit, the home teams or the away teams? Will it be more equal now because there's no parties and crowds? I think so. I, th- I think you'll see a different set of results. I think you'll see different trends. Um, which certainly has happened in Germany. There's been a lot of away results. Yeah. Um, it's more of a, a leveller, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, you're playing on your pitch, but you're, you're not. You haven't got the demands of the crowd to pass forward and run forward. Um, I think it will help centre forwards more because they, they haven't got that pressure of, you know, if you miss a chance, you get that sudden sigh from a, you know, the crowd. So I think I just think it'll be totally different for the players. Um, but results will be different. There'll be the, the top teams will still win, etc. But I think there'll be a certain set of results that you think, not sure that would have happened under normal circumstances. And now the, the pitches are uniform; they're all the same. So maybe if years ago you were going away to Oldham or or Yeovil yeah. or whatever, yeah. the, the home team had a, a distinct advantage. That's a lot more level now. You know? Yeah. And, and at the end of the season, Andy, some of the pictures would have been yeah. awful. You know, you, you're, you're talking about a Man United game against Ipswich, where an Ipswich player broke his ankle on that day. The pitch was terrible. Yeah. Um, and I think Ferguson had a go at Ipswich and the groundsman saying the pitch was unplayable. You know, it shouldn't have. Uh, where now you'll be, you know, the pictures will be immaculate, literally immaculate. Yeah. Um, Old Trafford used to be a mess. Old Trafford had a big tower yeah, yeah. in it. I remember yeah. Keith Kent, the old groundsman, telling me. The grass doesn't grow between November and April, and I just took that as a fact that you could do nothing about it. Whereas now, um, why didn't anybody think you can just put grow lamps above the grass? <laughs> in, well, in, even in nineteen ninety-five, Manchester United were were not even using them. Well, people don't realise what a camber is, do they? And, and a lot of I don't know if they've still got them now. I don't know whether technology has made it flat, but. I can remember playing at some grounds that you've watched games on TV and going to them thinking, wow, I didn't realise the pitch was like that. And it would literally be a probably a two or three foot slope off to the side. Um, but I, th- I think most pitches are, are identical now. They're, they're all this, you know, all the pitches now in the Premier League are 50% artificial grass. Yeah, Deso, is it? Yeah. You talk about pressure in front of goal. Something Gareth Bale said last week was interesting. When he plays at the Bernabeu and the crowd boo or sigh, he says, if your confidence isn't as high as it could be, he said, the next time you have a chance, the goal's just got that little bit smaller. Yeah. 
yeah. And you've been a striker. You, can you hear the crowd? Can you hear individual yeah. comments, or do you hear? Is it the um, size and the groans of a collective? No, ultimately, it's the size and the groans. You will hear. You will hear certain individual comments. You you won't hear an individual comments after you've missed a chance. Um, but you'll you'll. I, I think the crowd dictate the tempo of the game. Sometimes you know if you if if you have a for example, I don't know, take a Newcastle Sunderland game with, with a full house of fans. You're not going to be playing tippy tappy around at the back, are you? No. The fans just won't. The fans don't allow that. No, they won't accept it. They want you to no, run they won't. forward. It's like yeah, going it, to war, going in a battle. Yeah, it's it, exactly it's going over it, the top. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly what it is. And they want they want to see a tackle. They want to see a cross. They want to see a shot. So you know, and football's changed a little bit, but it hasn't changed that much. Where the demands of the crowd. What was you the know, best abuse I, I, you got? Still, uh, oh God, mate, where do you start? Did, um, did anything make you laugh, or was it was it really personal? Um, best abuse I got. Um, and I've had, I've had quite a bit. I, I think I played in an era where it was it was normal to to get quite a bit, and yeah. you know standing behind or sitting behind someone and shouting something and you know was the that was the back then that was a keyboard warrior isn't it now yeah. people go on their phones and shout abuse yeah so um but i can remember my brother and you know my brother and he played a lower level than you but i remember going to watch him play at staley bridge celtic away and standing with the away fans and the game was four minutes old and this guy was abusing my brother and it, the guy was an oddball make no two ways about it he was an it was a, it was, it was a strange human and he's abusing my little brother. And I said to him, the game's just started. Give him a chance. And you could just see this man who'd been let out of his house on a Saturday afternoon. Just, yeah. And his, it was like his wife had said, just get rid of all your anger and frustration. And he was taking it out on, on my brother, who was the top scorer in the team by a mile. He was having a really good season. But none of that seemed to matter, matter, matter for the, him. The, it was weird. The, the, worst, the worst thing, Andy, is being... Is being clapped off that the fans want you to go off, right? You're on, and fans. there's a lot. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is a horrible sinking feeling. That is, that that is, and it happens. I think it still happens to this day where you make a start. You, you the crowd wants somebody else to come on instead of your your position, and that walk off is a horrible walk. A horrible walk. Mm. Manchester United now going into the football that we're going to see again, the remaining games of the season in the league in the FA Cup and I'd still love United to win the FA Cup I'm not comfortable at all about behind closed doors but I can understand why it's being done I hope the Europa League gets up again I hope United win this as well I don't know if you saw the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer interview in, in the new United we stand but there's a, there's a confidence there there's a feeling I felt that this is a man getting on top of his job rather than the job getting on top of him yeah, yeah and that, that's listen Every football club at the moment is okay because no one's losing games of football. So no abuse yeah. can fly around. No, no abuse, and, and everybody's going to be restarting, thinking, "Poor, you know what? I'm looking forward to this." What will happen is football's dictated by results. But United went into it on a good run of results, and Fernandez has come in, and looking at it now, Marcus Rashford's going to be back. There's going to be no injuries. There's 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 definitely been an improvement since those four defeats in January. Yeah. But that's all gone now, and it's well gone. You know, this, this is all. I know it's the same season. I know it's the same. You know, the games and 
the last game, etc. But this is almost a sort of a, a newish mini season that's going to start, and yeah, it's like it's like everyone, everyone's fresh, everyone's looking forward to it. But ultimately, it's it's all going to be down to results. And I, th- I think Manchester United are on that fine line where the last month in in March, the end of April, they crossed that line where they were winning games of football. Everything was going well for them. But I think at the moment they're a club that can go either side of that line. And obviously write about United a lot and get to hear what's going on. And I know the dressing room is a better place with Fernandes in it, with Igolo in it. I, I would be interested to see what Paul Pogba really thinks watching a team winning in his absence. He's clearly a top player. He's someone you've stuck up for a lot in print and, in, and on this podcast. The idea of him and Bruno Fernandes playing together, that excites me. Can they play together? Are they compatible? How would you see them playing together if they can play together? Well, good good players can play together and both of them are good players. So, you know, of course they can play together. My, my, my one sort of, listen, I don't know what's going on and, and it's going to be a strange summer as far as transfers are concerned. But my biggest concern would be that we're now going to play these games right in the middle or just before all the transfer news starts. And if players have got it in the back of the head that they could be moving on. You know, I don't know if you saw today that three Charlton players have just left the club because they've got they've basically got transfers lined up um, and they don't want to play the games. Mm. And I just think that might cause one or two problems because every summer and it's that time of year, players will be coming and going. It's a bit different um, at Man United though. If you're, I don't know, if you're Jesse Lingard and you, you might know that you've got to pull, you've got to pull up the goods now. Otherwise, yeah, you're, and, you're and that, that's, it's a shock window that, for you, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's another that's another side to the coin. You know, you, you've got to you got to perform. What I would say to it, it is always within every footballer's best interest to play to their best ability and, and to perform well. And then um, when the season ends, and it's looking like August, and it's probably going to start again two or three weeks later, and. Is that going to be enough of a break or will the players be so completely rested now that they can effectively play 11 months of football straight through to next season? No, I don't. I think this is going to be a big problem and you know, people will go, I'm not sure what you're on about, but they nobody would have had a holiday this year and I know it's very hard to you know, feel sorry for millionaire footballers not having that break, but that is a big part in your, in your calendar, you know, just having that two weeks away, getting out of the country, going with your family, finding some nice weather somewhere and just, you know, turning off. You know, players players aren't going to have that this year. You know, that they're not going to be um, from two, three weeks' time when the season starts. They're probably going to have to, because they're going to have a Euros go on. They're going to have two years of non-stop football. And a few lads have told me over the years, it's just that even if it's only one week of going to Vegas or to Ibiza or to Marbella, yeah. It's just that I'm going to eat what I want for a week. I'm going to drink what I want for a week. I'm going to stay awake for as long as I want to and party and do whatever um, as I have a a good time. And that's not now going to be able to happen, is it? No, it's not. No. no. So it's it's that mindset where, you know, and I think it will kick in in August, September time. You're thinking, well, I've, I've done three, four solid months. I haven't had that break. I haven't had that, you know, just getting away from, 
you know, my home and, and getting out of the country. So I think there's many, many challenges ahead for footballers in the next year, 18 months. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. A couple of questions finally from United We Stand readers. We said that you were coming on the podcast. Um, James mentioned United needed pace at the back and a good quality number six to challenge again. Uh, is there any players in particular you think United should be targeting? Or could that player come from within the ranks to Anzabi, for example, or Ghana? Um, it can always come within. Um, I quite like the captain of the youth team, who's, uh, who's a centre-half. I think it's probably a little bit... You'll tell me his name. I can't his mm. name escapes me at the moment. Mm. Um, but I think he's a couple of years off it. Ted and Mengi's the captain of the youth team. 17-year-old, Mancunian centre-half. I did a piece on him uh, for the Athletic um, yeah. for two ago. Yeah. Spoke to people at the club about him, and I wrote, he's fast, tall, quick, with the right character and calmness to be a top-level pro. He also went to Nicky Butts Old School, Wright Robinson, and grew up playing football on the streets at East Manchester. So, yeah, you liked him from what you've seen of him, have you? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of him in the United's FA Youth Cup run, and I thought he had a very good profile about him. He's probably too young at that age, needs to get out, needs to play games of football, but you know, hopefully he'll... Uh, He'll be the one that comes through. There's a lad at Napoli uh, um, who they talk about a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, he's good. Um, he's and he come getting into... on a bit, isn't he? He's 29, 30, yeah. and he's going to yeah. stupid money. I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you're travelling around a lot watching games in yeah. Europe. Are there any there's a lad, yeah, there's a lad, Diasi uh, Reem, who's uh, very good, 22, but a lot of clubs would be interested in. Listen, only only United will be able to answer that question, won't they? They they, they might be fine at the back, um, but it's that, it's that time it's that time of the year where you know it's clubs will be signing players. Another question from Olsen Eleven off the United We Stand message board is: Do loan moves to clubs outside the country benefit players to the same degree as those that get loaned out to clubs in the same league uh, or a lower league in the same country? Ferguson wanted Makeda to stay in the UK, but he took a handful of loans, um, setting him back two or three years. Would someone like James Garner benefit from a season at the bottom of the Premier League as opposed to a season at the top of the Championship or going abroad? Plus, Chelsea have got players at Arnhem. How many have jumped back into the top Premier League following a season in the Dutch League? Uh, that's a very, very good question, actually. I would say, listen, the best loan is what Dean Henderson's doing at Sheffield United. That, that, that is the best. That is not quite ready for Man United. So what is the closest thing? Sheffield United. Now, that's, that can't always happen. I understand that. The Championship is a wonderful development league. To, to go and play 40, 50 games in a Championship is, is, is a brilliant league to go and play football in. Go and play abroad. I think sometimes you have to be careful when you go abroad. You know, some leagues are totally, totally different. So I don't think you'll always... You know, develop. Uh, you know, look at Jaden Sancho in uh, Dortmund. You know, he's a very good player, but I, I saw him score a hat trick last night. But the defending is so poor that you're thinking, well, you know, fair play, you got a hat trick, but you know, the level isn't great. Mm. Um, another question from Philip B. Uh, James made a very interesting challenge recently about the wisdom of clubs spending big money on importing players from abroad to their academies. He was strongly of the view that it didn't work and there were few, if any, successes. I'd be interested to hear him elaborate about this. Well, I, th I think you have to look what works. And for Manchester United, what works 
we just talked about Ted and Mengi, haven't they? Come from East Manchester. Of the, you know, like that that profile has worked. It's tried and tested. You know, Marcus Rashford, it's worked. Mason Greenwood, it's worked. The the local, and this this is what interests me, in Manchester. You know, they they look high and wide, but the best players have come off the streets of Manchester. They've not, they've not come from Paris, they've not come from Barcelona. And the, and the times they've gone abroad, and I know what it's like, you know what it's like, it's very, very easy to get excited by players. you know. But I don't like teenagers turning down contracts to go for, for bigger money. I know it's family decisions and everything, and financially there's, there's offers that they can't turn down. But many clubs, not just Manchester United, many clubs have been doing this for a long, long time now, and it, it, none of them come through. You know? so, so why... Why repeat something and follow the, the line and say, if it doesn't work? You know, what does work are the local lads that come through. You know, of, of the local lads in Manchester, in Greater Manchester, that's what works, always has done. So let's look at the best young players United have brought in from abroad. Gerard Piquet was probably the best. And because he wasn't getting in, he went to Barcelona where he starred in a team which won absolutely everything. Had he been a Mancunian, he might have stayed a year or two longer and probably would have broke into, into the team if he was a local lad. Uh, Giuseppe Rossi was brilliant, didn't really happen for him, and he went over, over to Villarreal and was absolutely brilliant there. So the, the getting the quality of the players in, now I know that's going back over a decade, but the, they're very excited about Hannibal, for example. They say that he's settled well, that he's, that he's playing well. Of course, he brought Paul Pogba in. I'd say he's a good example of someone who, it has worked for him. He's had his frustrations, he went to Juventus, and maybe if he was a Manchester lad, he wouldn't have gone to Juventus, and he would have been that good. He would have broke through uh, anyway. But you know, Ravel Morrison was a Manchester lad. Didn't quite happen for him either. I'm just playing devil's advocate to your point. I can see you've got a point now, and I can see that there's been lads who've been reserve player of the year, and I, I go and check where they are now, and some of them are nowhere. I saw one lad playing in Tenerife. Not for Tenerife for a third division team in Tenerife, who's 24-25. And it's just not an exact science, is it, recruitment? There's so many factors and variables. Yeah, yeah, and you, you can't, you know, no one's got a crystal ball. What I would say, if players from other countries move, at that, they'll move again. If you're a Manchester lad, yeah. you, you're not going to move. You're not, it's, not in your, it's not in your mentality to move. Money, You've never money, moved before and you'll never move again. Money's a factor. Until you get to... Yeah, money is a factor, yeah. But, but is it the right factor all the time? Because no, no, if, if you want money at 16, you want it at 19, and you'll want it at 22, you'll always look for more. I've done a piece on Barcelona's youth system for the new 442 magazine. And there are lads leaving there, going to places like Manchester United, like Manchester City. And a major reason is because... They're getting offered a life-changing amounts of money that they're not going to get at Barcelona at that age. And their families, working-class Spaniards, their dad might earn 18 grand a year, they're taking the money. They're taking the security of a three-year contract and if nothing else happens, they will have made that money for their family through their son. Yeah, but we're talking about a podcast based on Manchester United's decisions. We're not talking about Carlos in Spain, what he's going to do with his son, are we? That, no, that's, no. that's his prerogative. Mm. Talking about Manchester United, if you're Manchester United, why are you going after that profile of per player when it doesn't work? They think it's going to work. They, they, they feel that... Based on what? That, the, that, that Hannibal, for example, is one of the best players for his age in the world 
and that's why they've spent 10 million euros for him. And I get your point that he might be more inclined to move than a lad who's grown up in in East Manchester. But United shouldn't surely turn the back against the best young players. But, surely if they can pay 10 million, it's better than paying 80 million five years well, down the line. Well, well, well I'll, say, I'll say two things. So, so he's an A player. When I mean an A player, he is a you know, in the top select group. So the A players aren't always the ones, there might be an A player at 16, but they're not an A player at 20. Yeah. That very rarely happens. It does happen, but it very rarely happens. Okay. It's usually the B players that come through, that roll the sleeves up. And you talk about the class of 92, half of those lot were B players coming through. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't Ryan Giggs was, mm. but they weren't at the top of the tree at that age. Mm. Um, but they came through. And I see a lot of, you know, the Scott McTominays and people like that, those are ones that come through. It's mm. a good so point on I've... McTominay. I mean, we've had reserve and youth reports in United We Stand for years. And I look back at the McTominay and he's not the star in any team. And he's the one who's now, he's the first team player. Yeah, he is, yeah. And, and if you keep going and you keep going and keep getting better and you improve... Mm. I'd like to think he's probably got a career at Manchester United. You know, I, I, he's done very well, and he's got better and better and better. Mm. I just don't, I don't see that development with with foreign players. I, I just don't. And, and to spend ten million pounds on one, the outlay to to get it back, well, he's, he's got to be a Premier League footballer mm. for you to to break even, because no one in the Championship or any other league is going to pay ten million for a player. So you, you've somehow got to, to get into a Premier League. So it, it's a huge... Uh, listen, if he does, brilliant. But but don't... I, I can't see how you can crow about it. And Well, what about the alternative business model? And I know Manchester City have done this. You bring players in, and if they make it, great. And if not, you sell them to Huddersfield Town. Aaron Moy, for example, very, very good player. Probably not Manchester City standard, but the club have made a profit on him. So, yeah, but you, Andy, you're not going to make a profit on a, on someone no, that you've already spent ten million. The, the, the ten million one, I, I get that. I, I get that. That's a lot of money, and I know that the club feel that he's going to become a first team player, and he might be, and I hope he does. But I get the counter argument to it. It'll be interesting to see three or four years down the line how it all pans out. Well, that, that's that's the only time we'll know, won't we? But what, what I'm saying is the the only thing that you could you can go on is the past, what's mm. happened in the past. And every single one of them mm. has failed. You know, one or two of them have flirted with the first team. That's all they've done. Gerard Piquet, I, Gerard Piquet played against Coventry City in the League Cup. And he got, there was a lad who scored two goals with Coventry. He, was he couldn't that? move. Who was the lad? The, move. the lad was Maltese. Yeah, he scored two goals. I, I just left Coventry, actually. and, and oh, as Mif- I, Mifsud, was it? Mifsud. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew Gerard when he was in Manchester because he came over from um, as a young lad. He didn't really know anyone, and I, I used to speak to him a lot. I took him out around Manchester a few times, and that's probably why I didn't make it. Probably why I didn't make it. I'm not the world's biggest drinker. He's a very bright lad, Gerard. He's a he, he liked Manchester. He just wanted to be playing first team football. But when he got his chance, there was a game at Bolton away where Kevin Davis out jumped him. Or was it Nolan? I think it was Davis, and uh, and it and it killed his prospects. Not permanently, but for a few months. Ferguson felt giving him his chance, and he isn't quite ready for the Premier League yet. And and Gerard knew that as well. And, yeah. You know Ferguson and Gerard and 
Carlos Queiroz had a slightly different opinion on PK. Uh, but yeah, opinions, I suppose it's what makes what makes football go around. I'd like to thank you for your time, James. I look forward to seeing you at a game soon. I don't know when that is going to be, when we can both start going to matches again and doing our jobs. But are you looking forward to seeing football on TV? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a shame, isn't it, that... Um... You know we are where we are, but it yeah, it's better than nothing. And I think there's some uh, there'll be some excellent games coming up. And I look forward to it. Thanks for your time, James. No problem. So that's it for this podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll do another one later in the week. We've got uh, another interesting guest on, and we're all looking forward to seeing football again. Cheers to everyone who's bought the current United We Stand, the one with the big Ole Gunnar Solskjaer interview in it. You can subscribe to a digital edition, and if you, what's the best way of seeing it? Go to our website, uwsonline.com, and click subscriptions, and it works out like £2.50 an issue for the digital one, if you're outside the UK. Uh, we're still sending out mags, and we'll do that uh, once a week for the next few weeks. So if you want to order one, PayPal the money. I've put all the details on my Twitter at Andy Mitten, M-I-T-T-E-M. Uh, you can subscribe or you can get single issue orders. Um, the, the mags have been arriving okay, but some have taken a lot longer to get to the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. That's just because the postal system there is far from 100% at the moment. There's not a lot we can do about that. They have been getting through. It's just taking a lot longer than normal. And... Just be patient is all I can say. I think this moment will pass and things will slowly get back to normal with our subscriptions going abroad and with football. And we will continue doing this podcast until things do. Take care. Bye-bye.